We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks. Hello, everyone, and welcome uh, as a participant in our worldwide audience uh, for another episode of the Rescuers Radio Show. You know, the show is heard every Thursday at 530 at Faith Talk 1360 and faithtalk1360.com. Once it airs on Thursday, it becomes a podcast, so... You'll find all 110, 115 shows that we're at right now in that stream. And I uh, hope you listen to every one of them if you want to or pick out your favorites. But uh, also on our website, rescuersradioshow.org, you'll find all the shows. And uh, you also find a place to donate. We are a listener-supported radio show, so check that out. My guest, I've, I've been looking forward to this for a while, Denise Resnick. Founder, President, and CEO of First Place Arizona, and co-founder of the Southwest Autism Research and Resources, SARC, abbreviated, right? Correct. So, uh, gosh, it's good to see you and and have you in the studio here. Thrilled to be here. Thank you. So, um, before we dig into the great work that that our worldwide audience, when you're on the internet, you have to talk like that, right? We've had calls from Netherlands, Australia, and uh, even over there, that other studio over there. That's kind of worldwide. So um, uh, before we dig into all of that, uh, Denise, uh, let's get there, our, allow our audience to get to know you better. So give us your life story. How did you get to this place in your life? Well, I'm a native Arizonan, and outside of... Uh um, my life here, volunteering and being part of this greater Phoenix community. I graduated from Arizona State University. My first job right out of college was for the Dell Webb Corporation. And uh, and so real estate's what I knew. But by the age of 25, I decided they weren't making me president of anything anytime soon. And I started my own marketing and communications firm focused on real estate and community development. And I turned that inward when our son, at the age of two, was diagnosed with autism. And that was 1993 when we received that diagnosis. And at the time, we were told to love, accept, and plan to institutionalize him. And I went to some of those places. And I ran away as fast as I possibly could. Real estate's what I knew. I was surrounded by friends and colleagues and and committed then that we were going to find a different and a better way for how we would provide housing and community for people with differences. Yeah. So how did you find the experts? How did you find the people that were also during that time period starting to figure it out as well? 
We started first with um, a mother support group, people um, like myself who wanted to do more about sleeping through the night and getting through the school year and, and finding answers to autism. Keep in mind, the early 90s, that was before the Internet was uh, so prolific. And yeah. it was also at a time when people didn't know if you were saying autism or artistic. And people knew very little. So we tried a lot of things. And, and when we founded SARC in 1997, 25 years ago, we, we had a big vision, and it was to support individuals and their families throughout their lifetimes while advancing discoveries. And in terms of finding people, people are attracted to a big vision, to something bigger than themselves, knowing that they can have a role to make a real impact in in how people live in our community and how we fully integrate people in our community and how we live as a diverse community and how differences can enrich our lives. And that truly... We all need community, and that's what our faith-based communities provide, and that's what our communities in general need to be providing more of. Yeah. So the early 90s, we didn't have all the uh, technology that we have now. Uh, Phones, (laughs) computers were, I don't even know if they were around then. So how did you find other people having the same issue and asking the same questions? We started the Southwest Autism Research and Resource Center, so that would serve as the hub, a nonprofit without any money, without a roof over our head, that today has a staff of over 230 people, a $21 million operating budget, a charitable nonprofit that leads the country consistently in the recruitment and enrollment of subjects in pharmaceutical trials and clinical studies, and... And we started with the big vision, and then we started with one, and we added another one. And we kept building based on the demands of our community and what they needed. And then in 2012, we created what we called a sister nonprofit because real estate, residential, it it has a much different risk tolerance than supports and services and research. So that's when we founded First Place AZ as a separate charitable nonprofit 10 years ago that is truly fueling a new generation of housing and community options for people with autism, Down syndrome, traumatic brain injury, that that people deserve homes and people deserve to have hope and a vision for for what a better future can be. And and we can't do it alone. It takes tri-sector leadership. And, and that's how we're, how we're leading through the public sector, the private sector, and, and certainly the charitable sectors. So even though it's called the Southwest uh, Autism Research and Resources, you have people coming from all over the country? We have developed programs that are... Um, being replicated in other parts of North America, I would think, yeah. and uh, and trainings around the world, and um, but the commitment of SARC is to make sure that all families throughout Arizona yeah. can be served, and that's that's why SARC is very active right now in building community schools, where we start where community begins with the kids, and that we start with not just kids with autism, but kids without autism to understand their friends, to understand their neighbors, to understand that people who are different um, have something they can offer, and they do, and that we all learn a lot together. And so we start with the kids at SARC, and then as we grow and as the needs change for jobs and homes and community and health care, we work as First Place and SARC working together to build what what PBS NewsHour has acknowledged as the most autism-friendly city in the world. 
in the world. In the world. So you have uh, medical talent seeking you out. You have re- researchers. It's all about because um, there was a growing. Uh, you had to get up up that mountain to begin with, and now there must be doctors and researchers from all over all over the wanting to know more. Right. Well, art. You know, uh, they uh, we we chase them until they catch us. <laughs> so so yes, we do pursue um, active relationships with all of our medical institutions in Arizona and across the country in terms of what we can learn in 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 the power of examples and the power of collaboration. So while you know while we're serving our local families first and individuals first, um, we're also using this. Um, to be a catalyst to to what we can do in communities everywhere, and and that's being demonstrated in communities across the country in terms of the power of our examples for both Sark and First Place. Wow! So uh, your son now is how old? He turned thirty-one this month. Wow! And our daughter, seventeen months older, who's a rabbi, is um, is, is has lived a life who. Um, which is very influenced by having a brother with autism and a very compassionate um, woman who um, reminds me constantly of, you know, the importance of our community and our faith community Mm -hmm. and and how we continue to look out for our neighbors. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a good route right there. It's a great route. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, your, your mission, vision, and strategic plan, how did that begin and where is it today? Well, that's a really big question, Art. <laughs> um, so the the vision started um, for first place, which is to ensure that housing and community options are as bountiful for people with autism and other neurodiversities as they are for everyone else. Mm. And that requires a marketplace. Yeah. And if you think about Dell Webb here in Arizona, Huge. 60 years ago, though, when he first started Sun City, that was an option for retirees. Fast forward today, now we have all these different price points and locations and amenities and services because my being an almost senior doesn't tell you what I need in my housing and neither does Matthew's autism. And so how do we smartly lead a marketplace by not a disability label, but by what people need and what they want and and to be able to find more options in more places so they don't have to run away like I did years ago from what was an institution. And, and, and so in terms of our strategic plan, we're leading through what we call our first place Global Leadership Institute and bringing really smart people in the room and around the table to help us figure things out from training and education to community development, uh, applied research uh, and data collection, and, and certainly through how we tell our stories, uh, as well as supportive public policy. Because once you have the po- the examples, yeah. then we can collect the data. But we know data doesn't always move hearts like stories do. Yeah. Like understanding that that even during COVID, um, we hosted over sixteen hundred events for our residents wow. um, that were perhaps physically distanced and and maybe you know masked and hand sanitized, <laughs> but they weren't socially isolated, yeah. and, and that. Prior to COVID, that 80 to 90% of our residents were volunteering and employed in the community, and we're back up at those percentages again. Mm. And, and so when we think of, of setting a higher bar for people we have labeled as disabled, um, we 
set new hopes and dreams for them. And that's what we need to do is raise the bar on what individuals and families think about and dream about and, and pray and hope for in terms of the potential for their for their loved ones and for themselves. Wow. And in the early 90s, it would have been easy to say, oh, no, no chance, you know, no chance. But, but you, you, you didn't want to hear that. And look where you are. Look what you've done. That 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 no chance is um, is uh, underscored in a new autism documentary called In a Different Key. Oh. It's inspired by. Oh, the, I saw that. You did see that. It's yeah. inspired by the Pulitzer Prize finalist book by the same name, and it will be on PBS in December, nationally broadcast. And it tells the story of the first man diagnosed with autism who lives as a very happy man at the age of eighty-eight in Forest, Mississippi. Oh. It also. Um, is partially filmed here in Phoenix, Arizona. Really? And uh, shines a very bright light on our community and the work of SARC and First Place and this very supportive community that is opening more doors to more people everywhere. So I think I I read that uh, a different key uh, inspired by a Pulitzer-winning book, or or finalist, I guess, um, and award-winning... So it, uh, there's, it, it has a lot of acclaim a even before it airs? It does, including um, music by Wynton Marsalis. It is a beautifully nice. scored film. And the opening scene um, begins in the Trail 100 um, with uh, one of the producer's sons who lives at first place um, taking a hike. And, uh, and, and it is such a beautiful expression, artful expression of, of how people live and dream and and again, when you think about what film can do, um, like Roots and Philadelphia and mm-hmm. Rain Man, it can change culture. And yeah. that's what we're hoping this does, that it gives people a vision for what they can do in their communities, wherever they are, whether they're a healthcare provider, an educator, a family member, a, a radio, you know, on-camera talent, whoever they are, <laughs> that, that we can all do something. And it's not that hard to have somebody's back. It's not that hard to be a little more patient when you're checking out your groceries, when you see that maybe the person in front of you just needs a little more time to make his or her change. Is that where the co-producers uh, came up with most autism-friendly city in the world? It is. So the story is that when those co-producers were on their book tour, um, we had hosted them for a few um, visits out here. And we took them for a ride on our light rail to show them what we had been creating and uh, and through the years. And, and these are producers we had talked to several times over the decade plus but they, you know, those East Coast producers, it's not so easy to make it out, out west to Arizona, but we finally got them out west. And from Arizona and from that light rail tour, they, um, they were able to secure the series on PBS NewsHour. And it was after they filmed and after they mm. really understood our story that they were the ones who acknowledged Phoenix as the most autism-friendly city in the world. Hey, if, you're, uh, if you tuned in late to this Re- Rescuers Radio uh, show... Uh, my guest is Denise Resnick, founder and president and CEO of First Place Arizona and co-founder of the Southwest Autism Research and Resources, known as SARC. And uh, my gosh, and um, Arizona is the perfect name, right? Well, Arizona is home. 
And Arizona is pioneering and Arizona sees things differently. And we're reminded of that with our own, you know, access program here, uh, you know, which which was created by a a waiver that allowed us to be more innovative and in control of those Medicaid dollars. And we have a, a director, Jamie Snyder, who is very innovative and looks at things differently. Mm. And these are different times, and we need to reimagine what's possible. Yes. And, and that's what we're doing. And fortunately, we're doing it here in Arizona, shining a very bright light on what's possible. And, and through our work at First Place, we have produced um, a major study in, with, in collaboration with ASU Morrison Institute called A Place in the World, which is actually named after the PBS NewsHour series. <laughs> and, and what it is is it defines a new narrative for how we talk about housing and community. And, and along um, this new narrative, it is something that allows us to speak to the public sector, the private sector, the nonprofit sector, the charitable sector, because it's very clear that we don't speak the same language. And it's very clear that when we talk about housing, so often we're we're trying to evaluate bananas, pears, cantaloupes, melons. <laughs> you know, it doesn't work that way. And, and so, really, to better identify what we're developing and for whom, and what's working, and then what needs to be working better. That's how we mature as a marketplace. But the first thing we have to do is we have to speak the same language. And so that place in the world study and that narrative it can be found along with some of our other work in the Global Leadership Institute on our website. And we do our best to share our stories. And today is part of that is and through our blogs, through our films, and through our weekly virtual tour, should any of your listeners want to join me on a virtual tour, that to share what is possible when, when communities come together to dream and then to do. Awesome. Well, with that kind of acclaim on First Place Arizona, uh, it had to catch the attention of the whole world, I would think. And those that are interested in research or, right, or, or even fundraising. Thank you, Art. And should anybody be interested in our charitable <laughs> nonprofit? Absolutely. We would love to talk about how we can continue to build capacity and do more through our First Place Global Leadership Institute. And each fall, we host a symposium. Our next one, and it'll be our 11th Global Leadership Institute Symposium, October 19th through the 21st. And we have brought together thousands of pioneering leaders from across North America and 12 countries um, beyond. So this is not just our concern here with one in 44 children being diagnosed with autism today and more than 70,000 children. Wait, Wait, say that again. One in 44 children are being diagnosed with autism today. And when Matthew, our son, was diagnosed in the 90s, the incidence was one in 2,500. And if you start doing the math, you'll appreciate that we have an unprecedented number of children with autism transitioning to adulthood. And what happens after school, what happens after they have had early diagnosis and early intervention and early education, too many of them graduate from school to a couch, and they slide backwards at a far greater rate than most other disability groups. And so it's very important that we make sure that we continue to invest in ways that help people live their best lives, their most independent lives, their most community-supported lives, because we need to answer those looming questions for all the moms and dads Mm -hmm. and relatives out there who have a loved one with autism. Who's going to care about them when we're no longer able to do so? And the answer is the community. And the only way the community is going to care is 
if they have practice, if they get to know Matt and get to know him as a biscotti baker and a really hard vol- working volunteer <laughs> and, you know, a very sweet man with a great disposition and, and very capable, even though he struggles with his communication. And so it takes practice to build community and it, it takes will and it takes kindness. And, and that's why I'm glad I'm here. So if you had to pick out for our audience here uh, a few of the greatest advances, um, what, how would you answer that question? Give us a rundown of what's happened between the early 90s and today. In the early 90s, the prevailing diagnosis of autism, also, or when, when you were diagnosed with autism, you were also told, again, to love, accept, and plan to institutionalize your child. So, so there, there wasn't a lot of hope. Then. Did they at least have a name for it? They was did. it called? It was called autism. Okay, they did. They did. And and that first man diagnosed with autism and the history book of autism, um, you know, is it that is all reflected and and also reflected in that in that autism documentary are the unstoppable parents mm-hmm. who continued to step forward to to make sure that their kids had a right for education and to be able to attend school and to learn, and and. And so what has changed is certainly the numbers. What has changed is the awareness and the fact that people with autism have different abilities. And it is not a one-size-fits-all. There is a very broad spectrum. There are also many examples, including our own, where people are are living beyond what what families could even dream about and imagine um, because we've raised the bar. And so... What what has changed more than anything is is hope and will and action, mm. and that we are more fully integrating people with differences, not just autism, but Down syndrome and other other intellectual developmental disabilities yes. into our community. And we learned a lot from from. Are the, the, are the two related? They are, or they can be. Mm-hmm. Again, there's spectrums, and right. and you know I'm pretty hard-charging driving person. <laughs> and so you could say the apple doesn't fall from the tree, you know, <laughs> focused, you know, narrow interests at times. And, you know, but, but... Well, without you being that person, none of this would be here. Well, <laughs> you know, um, to know how to bring really smart people yeah. together is is probably the best talent that I have. Is All to, about relationships. It, it is. And it, it's to be able to vision and dream and, and, and then do. And that's when you get really smart people in the room. And I am so grateful for all the people who continue to stand by us and with us and 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 believe in us that that we can make a difference um, because it's not just for the person with autism and, and who's living with differences or disability or different ability. You know, it's for the rest of us, too. And it's our opportunity to demonstrate our compassion and the privilege of of helping someone who needs a little help. Yeah. And and that's a really great feeling. And and it works all the way around. So, um how can our how can our listeners uh wanting to learn more uh get in touch with you and uh, Southwest Autism Research and Resource Center and First Place Arizona? What's, what's the best way? The best way is to check out our websites at autismcenter.org and also first placeaz.org and do spell out first f-i-r-s-t place <laughs> and then um, az.org so first place az.org and join me for a virtual tour so that you can be 
aware of, of what's happening here and our work with other housing developers, including several affordable housing developers, so we can make more options and hopes and dreams possible. And for those who are charitably minded and, and have the resources to invest, would love to be able to share more about what we're doing with data and research and um, and and how we're advancing this new movement, this new generation um, for housing and community development. So one last question. Uh, we've got a couple minutes left. Uh, what What's the um, approach with with various industries? How, how are they welcoming this uh, acceptance of hiring autistic individuals? That is an excellent question, and it is um, critically important that when we think about more independent living, we think about jobs and purposeful living and what we can do. And not everyone can work in competitive employment and full-time, but several can and do. Um, A few years ago, we recruited a back-office IT firm called The Precisionists, and they were expanding from Wilmington, Delaware. They're committed to 500 jobs for people with autism in Arizona. These are full-time jobs with benefits, and it's working. And it was a major announcement for our governor and others in terms of economic development so that we are giving back. Ernst & Young is opening a neuroinclusive um, center here. And, and how we lead as employers in terms of a more compassionate approach and also understanding that people with autism have value and see things differently in ways that can be of great value to any organization. Denise, I'm sorry that we need to end the program. <laughs> but, you know, Denise Resnick, you are a rescuer. God bless you, and uh, thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Rescuers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM.